Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Good morning, church, and um, hopefully I will speak. Uh, I'm able to articulate something. It's a bit uh, croaky. But listen, let's trust the Lord, and um, I will drink a lot because I need to clear my throat. Um, we, we just want to thank God for what he's doing in our ministry. Really. Um, it, is, <clears throat> it is true that we have been struggling with various illnesses. Um, Lee was feeling unwell elderly, patients as well. They are away at the moment, so please continue to pray for them and, and you know, overall tiredness, end of year, start of new year, and things like that. But we thank God for his grace. And again, I want to thank God specifically for Jerry, who stepped in last week at such a short notice, always ready in season and out of season, isn't it? And so thank you, Jerry, for that. Um, why, what I want to do today, uh, something unusual, because I believe that God has put it in my heart. And one of the challenges that I had this week was even on Wednesday, I had no voice. On Thursday, I had no voice. And I'm like, you know what, Lord, if you want to muzzle me, then that's fine. I will shut my mouth. But my spirit will continue to praise you and pray. Um, but one thing that God put in my heart, really, is to actually bring forward, again, something that I shared with you in this church back in September, around the area of prayer. Okay? So I thank God for what Dan has just announced, because... The church throughout the month of January is starting in prayer. I know that Emmanuel articulated that need as well on the watch night service. But I think we need to actually open our eyes, guys. Okay? We are in a moment that is a very trying moment for the church as a whole, for Christians, and certainly for the local church where we are, King's Church Cambridge. And so we are the children of God and need to embrace prayer more than we've ever had. Okay, because there is a need for prayer, and that need for prayer cannot be underestimated. Okay, it is something in, um, I believe in September, there was a message called Prayer in Focus, and that's what I prayed about, but um, I, I preach about, but this time around is really how do we then overcome through prayer? Okay, and um, <coughs> when we speak to every Christian around the, the globe or in our network, Christian, I don't know if in the Bible um, or in any dictionary there is a synonym in terms of linking Christian with the word prayer. You will find out that many of the Christians, many of us are prayerless, actually. Okay? That's the truth. Many of us are prayerless. And prayerlessness is a sin. It's not something that, okay, I do pray when I feel like because if we do pray when we feel like, then we never pray. It's not a motion thing. It's not when you come into the room and you see the situation and you say, oh, the sensor is telling me to pray. That, there's no sensor. There is a discipline around prayer. There is a life of commitment around prayer. There is a demand from God that the people who are called by his name be people who separate himself, themselves to seek his face. And the seeking of the Lord, we can come on the Sunday and sometimes think it's enough to seek the Lord by coming on a Sunday. As Dan said, we don't call you to service, we call you to serve the Lord. It's different. We, <laughs> we've got to hear what the Spirit says here. And so the, 
the very big difficulty for us as Christians is that oftentimes we go through life, we go through the beginning of the year, we go through a season in our life, and we think that we will up the ante when the enemy up the ante. So we give a response to the enemy in our prayer life when the situation in our lives are also becoming more treacherous, more difficult, more windy, more unpalatable. That's the response that we give, and we say we are people of faith. Well, maybe, but it can only take us so far. God is asking his people to be a people of prayer. He's asking that the people of prayer do pray not as they want, not when they want, but to actually mark it in the calendar and to pray without ceasing. Okay? So today I feel really, again, please bear with me, bear with my voice. Try to hear from the voice of the Lord, not the voice of jail. My voice is a little bit. But if we remember that God is with us and God has good plans for us, then we have a baseline on which we can start. Many of us have started the year full of the joy of the Lord, full of expectation, trying to put a marker on what, you know, 2022 offer that was negative, and we say it will not happen. Who knows? Who knows if this year will be worse than last year in terms of the challenges that we face? Who knows? Who knows if our waiting season is over? Because we cross over by one date doesn't mean that the season is over. Who understand the season? Who understand the time? Okay, so we need to understand that by coming into prayer with the Lord. Okay? And the object of prayer, the purpose of prayer is very much defined in the Bible. Amen? Prayer is important. And prayer is part of what the Bible calls spiritual warfare. You cannot talk about spiritual warfare without talking about prayer. Forget about what your understanding of prayer is. Assume you don't understand prayer. Because that's the best way to start afresh. And that's the point today. Let's start afresh with our prayer life. Because no matter how much you think that you've been praying, you can do more. Amen? No matter how many hours you've put or clocked yourself against you know, speaking in tongues and praying in the spirit and then even ushering words sometimes that you can't understand. You can do more. If it's five minutes, you can do ten minutes. If it's ten minutes, you can do an hour. If it's an hour, you can do 24, isn't it? No, no, I'm not receiving a yes and amen. <laughs> so that, that tells his own story and that's why the message is actually on time. Okay, so listen. Let's, why don't we actually understand something? Can I have the team please open from the book of Daniel 10? And from verse 12. I have a couple of scriptures, a few scriptures that I will bring today, just to try to bring the point home. It's a very much unstructured message. I was actually laughing last time because some of the seasoned men of God were saying a three-point message. Jail never have a three-point message. If God is saying one point is one point, if it's 15 points, it will be 15 points. Sorry, Pastor Peter, I've not been at Matasi yet. Maybe you can discuss it later. But it's not a three-point message. All right, so Daniel 10. I just read from verse 12. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. A.K.A. Daniel was praying. The Bible or the angels recall and come strengthening him to say, listen, from the time that you separated yourself, actually from the time you started praying, your words were heard. Some people say, I pray in my heart, and that's good, because those words in the heart are still heard by the Holy Spirit. 
But he says that he set to understand and to humble himself before God. In other words, prayer requires that we humble ourselves before God. The Bible says that those, go, those who go to God must believe that he is. I keep on saying that. We must believe that he is and he is the rewarder of those that seek him diligently. So where we come to God, we must understand who we are approaching. Before even thinking about the how, it is important we have a full perspective that the person, that the being, that the supreme God that we are approaching is the Almighty indeed. And if we have that understanding, that then dictates not necessarily what we say, but the how we approach God. And that's with humility. Humility is necessary. Humility is a heart of saying to God, I'm no one. I'm nobody. I'm on myself, can do nothing. I bow down and I honor your might, your awesomeness. You are the one, the almighty, and I humble myself before you. I come down to you. We don't come with our chest up and all these kind of things and start petitioning in a way that pride kicks in. We humble ourselves before God. We recognize his holiness. We remove our sandals before we approach the throne of grace. Because it's a holy ground. It's a place where the spirit is. God is good enough to give us, and each and every one of us, he gives us his attention daily. The Bible tells us that God has marked us on the palms of, our, of his hands. So we are written there. Before we were born, the Bible tells us that God knew us. So who, <laughs> God knew us before we were born. Why is it that today we will think that he does not know us anymore? Why do we think that today he's turned a blind eye to us? He's not interested in our lives. He's not interested in our struggle. He's not interested to where we are going and how we are traveling and whether we are believing. No, he is. He was from day one. If God had not allowed that, we would not have even been conceived. So we must know who we approach and we must do it in humility. So Daniel did that. He said he humbled himself before God. The words that Daniel ushered were heard. And the angel says, and I have come because of your word. And I have come because of your word, not that. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which stood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the later days. For the vision refers to so many days yet to come. Contextually, that's it. That Daniel has been praying for his people. He's really been praying. And you see, he's been praying out of his heart, a broken heart. Seeing what the situation for his people was. Seeing the kind of things that they were going through and the suffering and the challenges and the fact that they were in a land of captivity. That looked hopeless. But what the Bible translates here is really what I started with is the spiritual welfare. Because, make no mistake, prayer helps us understand where we are at. 
It helps us look at our lives with the lens of the Holy Spirit. It gives us the direction for every day, for the decision that we need to make, for the decision that we need not to make, for the places that we need to go and the places that we need to avoid, for the way we handle ourselves and the way we actually affect the community around us. You know, somebody said, oh, really? I wish I could be promoted at work. (coughs) Everybody wants promotion. And somebody, the manager said, come on, why do you want to be promoted? He said, because I'm working hard. But also because I want to be influencing the company. I want to influence the business. The manager, who also was a Christian, he said, very well. Okay, so you work for it. But the first thing that you need to do is to realize that you can influence the business even without being promoted. And then the chap is just saying, how? He said, through prayer, you are asking the almighty God that we serve to be a blessing to your business, to be a blessing to your co-workers, to make the sales a bit more profitable. You can ask God to shape the destiny of people around you through your prayer. You don't need promotion. You need submission. And that's the very key thing. We sometimes got it wrong the other way around. We think Christians cannot have a voice in this world. We are actually victims of the agenda of very many powerful lobbies that try to shut down Christianity. That's what we think, and we like that narrative, because it suits us as we become a little bit more lazy in prayer. Let's call it what it is. It is important to understand that we have a way to influence the world around us, and that's through prayer. It's what is called spiritual warfare. For the weapon, let's look at the Bible, what it says. Let's open to Second Corinthians 10.4. <coughs> read from verse 4. Second Corinthians 10, verse 4. For the weapons are our warfare. They are not carnal. They are mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and be ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So, very well. We've started the year and we have full expectation for the year to come. We've asked God, we've had our, um, our list. I'm not calling that shopping list, I'm calling that prayer list. Let's assume it is a prayer list because we all have things that on that list we want for ourselves, right? So we put first ourselves, you know, put yourself first. You put all the things that you want God to do for you. And then you start thinking about all the things you want God to do for your family. And actually in your family you then start dividing those you love and those you love less well. So they're probably at the bottom of that prayer list. But they will still be there because, you know what, we need to make ourselves good before God. And then after that, you start thinking about other things. And maybe you may start thinking about the country. Maybe you may start thinking about the leaders. Maybe you may start thinking about your community. Irrespectively of that, what I was told before is a good practice at the beginning of the year to put your prayer request and to pray through all the 12 months consistently, and then on the 31st of uh, December, when you come to church and say, who wants to give a testimony? You look at the list, and then you say, God has done it, God has done it, God has done it, God has done it. And you actually can see the hand of God all over your prayer request. 
AKA all over your life. That was a good way for us when we were growing up as Christians to do it. And um, when you do this, you are not necessarily thinking of how consistent will I be in prayer. Because this will not just come to pass by a wish list. It's not, a, it's not just on a whim. There needs to be discipline behind that list so that those things translate into being. God is a good father. We sang it even earlier today. Ruth also brought a song about God, the miracles. We cannot recount how many miracles. I don't know why the song finished at five, Ruth. You need to tell me. Because we need to have more than five of the miracles that God has done for us. Okay? And if we have a heart of gratitude only for the season where we are good and only for the things that are happening to us well, then we don't understand what gratitude is. Okay? So it is important to understand that when that list is taking place at the beginning and we want things to happen, we then need to go and humble ourselves before mighty God. We need then to have the discipline and to tick on our diary, isolate a slot for prayer. Take the discipline to come repeatedly before God. Prayer cannot be made without persisting in prayer. Because every single day, there will be something that discourages you in for, for prayer. It is very much at the forefront of spiritual warfare. If you want, some people say, pray things through until you see things coming. But many times we give up. And why I took the scripture from Daniel is because Daniel did not give up. And in the heavenlies, from the time we set our hearts to pray, the Bible said God is aware. God is aware of our tribulation. He will bless us. That's what the Bible tells us. But he's also aware the time we set out to pray because we shift away from what we see, from what we, f- we smell, from what we struggle with. We shift away from that and give our focus to Almighty God. And that's what pleases God. So at the time we start, God is very pleased with us. The question is not always how we start. It's how do we finish. And so therefore, how do we finish? How many of us have decided, Lord, this year I will start being more in church? <laughs> Lord, this year I will pray you more. I will wake up at 5 a.m. That's 5 a.m. That's where the snoozer goes on and on and on. And you are actually beating up, but you fail to wake up. You do everything, but you fail to wake up. And every single day there is an excuse why you didn't do the 5 a.m. prayer time. Well, if it's 10 a.m., then it's 10 a.m. I'm not too rigid about it. What I'm trying to say to you is this. The enemy has a very keen interest of Children of God not praying. Because when you do not pray, you become ineffective to the kingdom. Think about you as a soldier now, right now, on the ground in Ukraine. You have your toolkit, you have your weapon, you have your phone, your cellular phone or whatever you've got. And you have to, you are in a, you are in a war. And you've got to communicate with your general. You've got to actually hear the instructions. You've got to understand how to navigate some of the the things that the enemy has put. You've got to understand the strategy, the approach, the timing of the attack or the timing of the counter-offensive. You've got to be in communication. And you go with your weapons, but you forget the communication tool. You forget your phone. You get isolated from the instruction of the general, so you become ineffective, you become rogue, or you become counterproductive for the rest of the army. Basically, you become potentially a risk of casualty. You are no longer with the unit because you have not put your communication on. 
Prayer is communication with God. How dare we think that we can go to a war zone without hearing the instruction from the master general? He knows what is ahead. He knows the way. He knows the approach of the enemy. He knows the strategy of the enemies. The Bible tells us that even ourselves, we are not unaware of his devices. How much more the almighty God that we serve. But we decide that the communication tool, we shut it down. Off network. We refuse to connect to the God Almighty. We say, I love you. It is well. I have plans for you. And actually for this one, this is the direction to go. This is the strategy of the enemy. This is what you ought to do. This is where you need to go. This is what you need to stop doing. Because in God, there is all the abundance of knowledge, of wisdom, of understanding, of favor. And we think we are battle-hardened because we pray two minutes a day. He said, the weapon of our welfare are not carnal. They are not there for carnal minds. Carnal minds won't understand the need for prayers. Carnal minds will be discouraged so easily because they will think, the body tells me I've already clocked 30 minutes praying. <laughs> they will not say that I need to press it for 35 minutes. Carnal mind will feel that God cannot longer make what he's promised. Carnal mind will be looking at what the enemy is deceiving with and stopping there. Where God is saying, it's okay, it's happening, but press on. Press on, persevere. It is important that we understand what God is saying today. Can we look at the Bible? The book of First Thessalonians. I just want to read from the book of First Thessalonians and I will go for effectively from chapter 5. He said, but concerning the times and the season which we often time to look into and to understand. He said, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Why will Paul say that? He has, we have no need. He has no need to write to us. He said, concerning those things, you have no need. He said, you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape, but you, brethren, are not in darkness. Amen. We are not in darkness. Mark this down. So that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the sons of light and the sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, they sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, that wherever we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Now that line, that you are all sons, from verse 5, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Paul is encouraging the church here 
on matters that oftentimes when you look around, it looks like darkness. Again, it looks like a situation that we cannot control and that we are actually victim of. But he said, I'm not, I have nothing to tell you about that. You already know. You already have the toolkit in yourself through the Holy Spirit. You have the enlightenment from God himself in terms of how you should face some of the challenges and situations that you have. Right? You know what? People often come and say, listen, I like do that myself, right? Say, please, brother, pray for me. This is my situation. Because it is good to ask for prayer. What is less good? is to ask for prayer and rely only on order to pray for us when we ourselves are not praying. And we do that. We, we get a free pass that we will come and ask a, a fellow believer that we consider a prayer warrior. I don't know why we, we think we cannot be prayer warrior. It's given to everybody to be able to pray. But we will go and ask, please pray for me. Thank you, Jane, for praying for me, for, for my illness. But if myself, I don't go to God and say, Lord, you can, you can heal. Your hand is not shortened, Lord. I believe that. I receive that. When she prays, I can say amen because I also know that I've received the prayer. But behind the scene, I will continue to believe by faith that we shall pray for. And I push my agenda in prayer. I say, Lord, I desire that, pray, that, that, that healing. You've done it before, Lord, do it again. But if I come and say, please pray for me, then it becomes an agenda of pity party. It becomes where I fail to take responsibility to pray as God has asked me to do so that he, God, my God, my father, my maker can come through for me. He's concerned about us. He said, yes, of course, use the church, use the body. But come, come to me. With what you have in your heart. He's not trying to ask for a recipe. The disciples say, Jesus Christ, please tell me, Lord, how to pray. How do I go and pray? Because I don't understand prayer. We talked about that last time in September. And many of us don't understand prayer. I tell you what, some of us don't know how to pray. The Bible said that the spirit articulates the things that we ought to say. He will tell us how to pray. And sometimes if we think we babble, it's not the point. You know what is the secret about prayer? If you don't know how to pray... Do you know what the secret is to that? Is to pray. Well, there is no other secret. Okay, I'm French speaking, native French speaker. Some of you have been trying to learn French. I know I'm, I'm not going to say anything. You are a teacher, so please don't, don't, don't get me on the, 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 the approach to, to learning. But some of you have, you have been trying to learn to speak languages. Maxwell, I'm not calling you out. But they say, hello, ça va? And when they say, hello, ça va? Je dis, oui, bonjour, ça va, ça va bien. What's next? Uh, um, let's, let's switch back in English, but that's fine. So we can start with the first sentence, but we should expect the answer. When you want to practice a language, any language, you go to speak it. If I come to England as an Erasmus student and I want to learn English and I say, in France, they taught me about irregular verbs and I can't speak them. I am not learning the language. When it comes to praying, when it comes to using an heavenly toolkit, when it comes to being the presence of God and understanding how to pray, then we must pray. Because by praying, we learn to pray. And by praying, we don't depend on ourselves, we depend on the Holy Spirit, who then intercede and explain the things that we don't even know to God. When is unformatted. When our prayer is unstructured, when it comes from the heart, the Holy Spirit put the stamp on that 
and says, Jesus, that is it. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. What does he do? He intercedes. He picks up that prayer, Father, here it is. Holy Spirit, Father God, send the answer. It might be delayed. And you think, oh, because I babbled, because I pray, God did not hear. Daniel, the angel said that there was spiritual warfare. God has answered, but it took days because there was spiritual warfare. They were agents of the enemy trying to stifle that answer. But you think, because I didn't articulate in Queen's English, happy day for you if you've been learning in the grammar school. We need to pray with fervency, with our heart on our sleeves, and speak to God. You see, let's understand what prayer is. It's not just talking, it's also listening. It's a dialogue, a communication, two-way communication. We speak to God and he speaks to us. Those who are in the flesh, they will speak to God, they run away (laughs) because they don't want the answer. They speak to God, they don't wait for God to give the answer. Actually worse, they give God a timestamp by which they need to answer. If we go to God and we believe that he is God, if we go to God and we believe that he has his best, our best into his heart, he says he wants to give us life and life in abundance. If we believe that which he says, then we will be a bit more respectful. We will be perceiving it without giving him an ultimatum to answer. Because you go to your manager and you say, <laughs> promote me by this time, you will never get that promotion. Answer me that email by this time, you will never get that email. But there is a way to approach it. And if you think to yourself, I'm not seasoned prayer person enough, that's actually accepting the lies of the enemy. You know, you are not off network. You have a direct line of communication with the Lord. The Holy Spirit is in you. I'm talking about those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Make no mistake. People say you pray, you don't receive. You pray miss, and you question why. You question why you don't receive is because you're not in God. Because the Bible says it's Christ who is actually interceding for us. So those who refuse the end of Christ, those who refuse the salvation of Christ Jesus, which name are they going to use in prayer? What conveyor is going to bring that to the to go to Jesus Christ? Nothing. They pray it doesn't leave the roof because they do not pray to God. They pray to somebody they haven't not known. They haven't accepted Christ as the intercessor, the savior. So they are what people call fake prayer and they are prayer of the heart. We the children of God can pray. We have that line. We don't need to subscribe anymore. We have that line. And we need to make use of that. Have you got a mobile phone provider? where they tell you your allowance in a month is this. Your data allowance is this. 500 MB. Or, you know, no limit to your net. You're happy when you get no limit. But for those who are a limit, you are always anxious when you, you use your allowance. And you think, I need to top it up. With God, you don't need to top it up. With God, you will never be disconnected except you yourself. You switch the, the network off. You go off network. The Bible says God is familiar with all our ways. We are rising up, our wake, are lying down. He knows. He sees us. He tracks us. He's interested in what we do, how we do it, why we do it. And we think that God does not want to hear from us. He wants to hear from us because he longs to bless us. He's a loving father. And when we go to prayer with him, we need to be able to ask. Prayer is asking. Prayer is listening. But where we go to ask, there's no limit to what we should ask the father. Think about you and your early father or your early parent. As a child, you know your parent loves you. 
and you need something, sometimes, yes, we go around in circle and try to make the parents understand what we want. And they say, cut to the chase. <laughs> what do you need? God wants us to speak to him out of what is in you. Daddy, I'm hurting you. That relationship is not working for me. Show me what to do. Lord, I'm struggling here financially. You say that you can provide. Lord, I, I, I really don't know where I will make, how I will make, you know, ends meet. Lord, I don't know. This is another bill. I put it before you. Please provide. It, it, it doesn't have to be 50 minutes or about please provide, please provide, please provide, please provide, please provide. Jesus said that when you pray, do not pray like the Pharisee will use so many words. But use the, the heart. Let your heart connect with your father. He longs to give you good things. He's able to do that. And actually, his end is not shortened that he cannot do anything. And so it's important that we get that discipline to come and ask. And once we've done that, that we be prepared to listen to what we have to, he has to say. It is important for a praying life. And, and, and I want to bring to your attention something that even the great men of God did. And I was encouraging the, the church, I believe, on, um, on, uh, on, on Wednesday. Let's open to Second Chronicles. I was encouraging the church about some of the action of King Solomon, about what he did and how prayer still took center stage, how approach to God took center stage, though he has done a very mighty thing. So basically, so Second Chronicles chapter 7 is very much starting from when King Solomon has finished building the temple of the Lord. Remember that David wanted to build a temple for the Lord, and God told him, no, 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 you will not do that. You know, your offspring will do that. But then Solomon did then build the temple of the Lord before building his own house. And the beautiful things is when you look at the fact that he finished all this work, he still had to come and present it to God. Okay? He still had to walk. You know, sometimes we do things for God. Or we think that we do things for God. We think we help God in the ministry. We help God save souls. And then sometimes we become entitled does it make sense? Sometimes we more, look more like God owes us something. Jerry said last time, God does not owe us anything. If anything, we should be grateful. Verbatim, I think what you said. We should be grateful even for the air that we breathe. God does not owe us anything. And, and, and it's exactly exemplified here in, in King Solomon. So where you look at King Solomon, he says from verse 7, and I will, ch- I will jump a little bit. Chapter 7, Second Chronicle, chapter 7, verse 1. He said, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So Solomon do what he, has to, he does what he has to do. He goes on praying. Lord, accept. Maybe we'll have been praying, Lord, this is what I've done. This is what is accomplished. This is all to you, Lord. Please accept this offering. It is not for us, but to your name give glory, Lord. He will have been praying just so the Lord accept his offering. But when we come and with the offering basket, I have loose change there. Off we go. I have a loose five pound and I can give. You know, give according to your heart. If it's five pound, it's five pound. That's the, the amount is not, but the attitude to which we do things. 
matters. And he still wants God to accept what he's done for him. And he says, you know, Lord, these are those offering for you and the birth of and sacrifice. Then the glory of the Lord filled the temple at this time. So God responded. His glory filled the temple at this time. We move then in verse 11. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and he successfully accomplished all that came in his heart to do in the house of the Lord and his own house. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land and send patience among my people, if, and that's where we quote it every time, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked way. Remove wicked way from prayerlessness because we are, he's talking about the children of God. If my children turn away from those things, they say, and they pray. He didn't say, and they speak in tongues or they do ministry and they go on evangelism. He said, and they pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked way. Then is the condition. Then I will. That's God's promise. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. Because we are all sinners anyway. God will forgive our sins. He will heal our lands. Then he goes to verse 15. He says, now or at that point, my eyes will be open. My ears will be attentive to any prayer made in the place that you've dedicated to me. You know, this is teaching us a lot of things. Because if you look at chapter 7, verse 1, it starts by prayer. Solomon was praying. He's known to be a man of wisdom. And we know the Bible tells us wisdom, right, means that we have to fear the Lord. But it starts with prayer. To offer to God what is already spent time, effort, management, coordination, even taking some debt to other nations to bring some log of wood to make sure that the temple of the Lord is built for purpose. He's done all this effort. Basically, you've been running into the ministry all the way, a year, two years, five years, ten years. You've been running for God. You've been doing something for God. You've been wanting to build something that God will be glorified in. And then you say, Lord, please, all the things that I've done over this year, it means little. Please, my Lord, will you accept that offering? Will you come in? And God says, yes, I will. He consumed the sacrifice. And the next step is that if my people then turn away, I will hear any prayer that is made in this place. God longs to hear the prayer. He longs to restore you. Don't start the year thinking that is too far gone. Don't start the year with the the memory effect, as I call it, of the past failure, of the prayers that have been unanswered. You know what? They've been unanswered for a reason. Maybe God is still saying, wait. Maybe God is saying, it wasn't for you. Don't try to push God in a certain way. When it's not for you, when it's not for you, it is not for you. Because if you go after it, you get burnt. And then you will come back to cry out to God that please heal. Don't go for what God has not proposed for you to go. And for you to be doing that, it means that you know what God has purposed for you to go for anyway. And this means that then you come to study the word of God and to make yourself diligent, acceptable before God. It is this discipline we are talking about today. Because you started the year well. Because you are alive. 
You started the year well because you are in church and you want to hear from the Lord. But you need, and we all need collectively, to humble ourselves and to come together in prayer. Why is it that prayer is the meeting that is the least attended in any churches in the land? Because the enemy doesn't want the people of God to pray. Because he wants to disable them before they start running their race. Because he wants to attack them. Because he wants to disorient them. Because he wants to confuse them. Because he wants to snatch them away from the end of the master. Bring confusion, bring sorrow, bring hurt, bring pain. That's the plan of the enemy for your life. And you start the year and thinking, Lord, you know, prayer life is just an optional five minutes in my calendar today. No, we owe it to ourselves to change the narrative, to allow God to speak to us. God will speak on a Sunday. He will speak to Jane Danga and to any one of your siblings, brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes, of course he can. Yes, of course he will. How much will that keep you during the week? How much will that keep you when that challenge comes? You know, we have to contend for things. And we don't contend with five minutes before God. Five minutes before God is yet... (laughs) Whether you do VPN, whether you do Wi-Fi, or whether you do whatever, it's not when you want to connect even to an internet router. Sometimes you have to reset the WPS every time. You reset, you reset before the signal connects to each other. When you just want to come, Lord, you come into the presence of God. You haven't even gathered your thoughts together. The five minutes have elapsed, and it's okay. Bye, Lord. <laughs> Next, the Bible says that the fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. The fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. What is fervency? I want to call all of us today on thinking about that. What is fervency? How does it look like for us? You know what? We all have things that we like. 4.30, I will go and clock Arsenal. I will see whether they can beat Spurs. Not London Derby. Then I will go and speak to Shane. Oh, Sean, sorry. We have things that we like. We have things that we're interested in. We have things that we pursue. Fervency links what we love to the effort we put in to pursue what we have in our mind to do. So what I'm saying to you is this. Not to use big words, but very simple term is to be on fire, to be desiring, to be disciplined all together in one word, to press on, to go after God. And it also means this, to have the wisdom to disconnect the things that drive or suck away our attention span to what God is doing. To remove the things that distract us from focusing on the master at the time that we've allocated for him. Distraction is a big thing. Distraction kills fervency. Distraction kills fervency. That's what is happening at the moment. In the world today, in Christendom, distraction is a problem. Because distraction comes and takes away that which the Lord has taken away from the, the day one. And distraction makes us, oh, 
do an inventory of all the apps and all the notification that you've got on your mobile phone just, just to test it. Try to disconnect those notifications for a day. Just run your life without those notifications. Still use your phone if you want. But just try that test. If you want to call it a litmus test or whatever. Just try it. Disconnect those notifications and try to live your life. I was talking to Alastair last time and he told me during Christmas, you know what, I put my notification off. And I said, that's wisdom. Because you take those notifications off, whatever comes through your phone is not as important as notifying your master that you are before him ready to listen to him. It's not. Because when you go to God, you're asking him to clarify things for you. When you go to God, you are telling him you are ready to change the things that you need to change in your life. When you go to God, you say, I'm available for service. I'm on, in your army. When you go to God, you say, I'm watching. I'm watchful and I'm ready. We need to partner with God in that effort. Jesus goes to pray and ask only a few disciples to stay there and help him watch. He goes and pray, comes and finds them sleeping, slumbering, and he's asking them, can you not just watch just a little bit with me? There is no answer. <laughs> he goes back a second time, comes back, and he finds them sleeping. He does not address them. He goes a third time and comes back and finds them sleeping. And when he comes back the third time, he tells them this. He say, you should watch and pray. He say, now the enemy is there. What is he saying to these people? They fail to watch all this wrong. They fail to stand with Jesus all this while. And by the time they open their eyes, come out of the slumber, the enemy is already there. It's too late. Things will happen now. That's done. I was asking you to watch. You didn't. Now, <laughs> it's like we are, we are in there, right? Judas Iscariot is there, has come there. So what I'm trying to say to you is that when God is telling us to pray, when he's telling us to watch, to pray, is because he knows that there are things ahead that is keen to actually make us avoid or to make us aware of or to give us a strategy for or to give us the perspective, heavenly insight. And so that's why he wants to partner with us so that he can guide us. Have you ever given your children or grandchildren or friends, not friends, <laughs> maybe grandchildren or children, remote-controlled vehicle, remote-controlled car? You know when you have that remote control and you can see the car going up to 50 meters and, and all these kind of things? Or if you use the drones even, the remote control stuff, when the frequency, where the closeness, the proximity is no longer there, the toy goes all over the place. It goes without control. That's why we call it remote control, to be controlling. And the thing with the, 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 the enemy, that's what he wants to do. <clears throat> he wants to disconnect us, make us further away from the remote control so that we go a little bit haphazardly and go and get damaged. That's what he wants to do. So anything that you do in your prayer to try to get that control, God to, God is not controlling us like, like a toy. Of course, we have free will. But what I'm trying to say is that connectivity, we need to make sure, and it is in our interest, in our best interest to make sure that we are connected to the source of life, the source of hope, and the one who gives direction. Amen. The Bible in Psalm 25, verse 4, it says, Show me your ways, O Lord. 
teach me your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all day. We need to wait in prayer. It's important that we wait. Because you see, God is preparing for his children things that we don't know. The Bible says we do not even know the things that God has purposed for those that he loves. We don't know the extent. We don't know the quantity. We just know it's good. So don't try always to figure out the what, the when, the how. It's not for us to do. For us to do is to trust and to push on. It's not a fancy message. Okay? And what I'm saying to you is what I need to do myself. Because the year is long. And it's not just the year. We don't live by year. We, the Bible says we do not walk by sight. It's not what we see. <laughs> it's where God is positioning us. One of you today, God is positioning you for ministry. Okay? God is positioning you to go and shape the nations. Some of you, God is positioning you to become successful evangelists, missionaries, business people, teachers, right? And God can only do as much as he can do if you yield. And the yielding means that you discipline, and I discipline myself enough in the duration, in the longevity, in the, in the, in the dark, or in, irrespective of the circumstances, to come before him and checking with him. is effectively checking. You know, you cannot go and take a flight without checking in at the airport. We want God to take us higher. We've got to check in with him. It is important because we don't know the winds and the adversity before. You know, life is so short. You know, for those of you, and I'm sorry, those of you who have lost loved ones, I want to say something to you. That prayer time that you have might not be something that you think as it's a prayer time that benefits me because I don't know what I will say. I'm hurting. But in that prayer time, God will comfort you. He will drop words in your spirit that will comfort you. Sufficient for the day is his own trouble. But God has gone ahead and he's seen that. He will comfort you. Don't try to make it too many words. Just be there. Just hang in there. Because you know what? He is the strength behind you. He's the one saying, daughter, son, it is well. I'm with you. I've not forsaken you. I love you so much. And I will show you the extent of my love for you. So don't worry about it. Yes, so many question marks. But am I not the God who took Israel through the wilderness and rescued them? Am I not the God who broke the walls of Babylon? Am I not the one who delivered um, David from Goliath? What is it that I cannot do? He said, my hand is not shortened. Don't ever think that I'm shortened. And I will do that for you because you are my son, you are my daughter. So please... Just make, even if it is just checking in. What it looks like for you doesn't matter. Don't, don't rely on your strength to pray. Just say, Lord, I need help. Lord, here I am. Listen to what God has said to say. And he will come and comfort you. He will come and give you his peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. For those of you who have seen many people around in your family being destroyed, being, going various ways, you can pray for them. That's what we call intercessory prayer. You can pray because what you cannot do, you can sit there from midnight to 11 p.m. I will tell you what will happen. You will talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. At the very best, they will hear half of what you've said. The very best, they will execute half of half of what they've heard. And what it means is that by the time your counsel has come as 100%, the outcome is only 5%. God is there and can make it happen what he drops into their spirit to say, hey ho, I will shake that. I will shake the core of it and I will restore you. You've got to believe in that. So go to your God that you know 
about and pray for your family with purpose and trust God will do it. Trust God will do it. You know, there is a story of a man praying for his dad. The dad was unbeliever for 40 years. 40 years, every single day he's been praying for the dad. That the dad will come to know God. At some stage, the dad comes and says, I'm unwell. And he's given, he's been given a negative medical outlook. And he says, I'm unwell. And the gentleman goes to his pastor and says, Pastor, my dad is unwell. I think he has a few weeks to live. But what I've seen is that he has now given his life to Jesus. I've been praying 40 years. And he's after 40 years and a few months, he's given his life to Jesus. You know, the Bible said the heavens rejoice over one soul that is saved. But can you believe about that man who stopped that prayer midpoint? 20 years down the line, I've already done 20 years. Times 360. No, 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 no. Oh, he stopped five years. Oh, no, as most of us do, we stop before a week of prayer. And he doesn't pray for the dad. Then the dad may not get saved. What is it that you will do for the people around you so that they get saved? As a parent, as a friend, as a, your brother's keeper, your sister's keeper, how much are you ready to give up on your friends? Because if you are not, then God is calling us to prayer. And he said, pray, persevere. The Bible talks about that woman who goes to the judge. Oh, Lord, oh, judge, 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 deliver me from my adversaries. And she goes repeatedly. And the judge is a wicked judge. The Bible knows it. We call him the wicked judge. But he said, this woman worries me too much. I will give her answer to a petition unless she continues to worry me. And he said, should God who is good, who is good, who is wonderfully good, not even do better for us who come and cry out to him day and night? Please, brothers, please, sister. Today is not a message to make you jump. It's a message to make you go on your knee in humility before God. And I will want us to stand up now and call the choir, please, so that we can come and spend time before God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.16 that let us then draw with confidence. Let's draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in help to help in time of need. I want us, because it down on me, God chastised me even on my prayer life. Chastised me on that as a loving father. As elders, he tells me that if I do pray for the sick and anoint them with oil, they will be well. But as a, as a Christian... He's telling me, you are in a very difficult situation right now. Your church needs you. Your community needs you. Your family needs you. And I've given you the toolkit to influence. I've given you the godly solution to come through. What will it take you to come before me, to the altar, and to make your request known to me? What does it take you to trust me by faith that I am, I am, the great I am. I am the one who has said that I am. I long to restore you. The locusts have eaten. You have been shaken, probably grounded, but I'm the one who lifts up. I'm 
the one who restores. I'm the one who heals the brokenhearted. But I'm also the healer of the body, of the disease. I'm the healer of the souls. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And as we can do all things, what I want us to do now is to come and pray. Pray not as your neighbor prays. Pray not as your sister or your brother prays. Render to the Lord the glory due to his name, but pray unto him as you will pray, knowing that he can do all things. Pray unto him, knowing that he's written you on the palms of his hands. Pray unto him, tell him, Lord, I've not prayed before. I didn't know how to pray, but I trust in you because you know me enough, you love me enough. You've called me to be yours. And today, Lord, I commit myself to pray again. I commit myself to coming, humbling myself before the throne of grace. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Teach me how to pray. Let my heart be before you. My expectation and my ambitions, my defeat and, and, and the things that are even ugly in my life, I commit before you. I put that before you. I surrender everything unto you, Jesus. I surrender unto you, Jesus, so that you will do with me what you want to do, Lord. And so, Father, we thank you today. We thank you today for telling us that you long to hear our prayers. We thank you today, Lord God, that you are doing something new in us. That, Lord, indeed, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, we will seek you with a new purpose to connect with you and to tell you, Lord God, about our lives. But most importantly, to hear from you, Lord, about us. You have created us. You know us. You say all things come together for the good of those who love you. Those who are called according to your purpose. Lord, there is no doubt that you have plans for me. There is no doubt you have plans for my life. There is no doubt that you have things for my family. Lord, there is no doubt that you are good. And I want to, oh Lord God, humble myself now. That Lord, you will indeed do with me what you want to do. Lord, start to fresh with me. Lord, remove from my understanding the things that were wrong about prayer. Remove from my understanding the things that were wrong, the self-sufficient and the lack of humility, the self-sufficient approach, Lord God. Remove from me pride. Remove from me anger. Remove from me doubt, Lord. Remove from me, O Lord, condemnation, for there is no more condemnation to those who are in you, Lord. Remove from me, O Lord God, the looking back that tells me that my God cannot. Remove from me, O Lord, the attitude of self-entitlement. Remove from me, Lord, the lock, the aspect of running away from you. Help me to run to you, Lord. Humbly I approach your throne. Come, Lord, as I draw near to you. Come, Lord. I come to you, Lord, with all that I am. 
all that I am and all that I need, I put before you, Jesus. I surrender now. I surrender now. I surrender unto you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Surrender. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.